This here is an audio podcast from Weird Audio Productions, the home of psychedelic sci-fi and surreal audio adventures. Eternal copyright, Davey Ferguson and Weird Audio Productions. A not-for-profit audio production narrowboat house. Weird Audio Productions proudly presents the fifth emergency satellite broadcast from the future by Davy Ferguson. Neil Young, Dreaming Man. We are in the interior of the hall of the mayoral reception airlock of Moontro's lunar base. Answer the airlock door, if you please, Chivers. I am awaiting upon an Amazon delivery of some urgency. Certainly, my lady. I shall adjust my decorum accordingly. Chivers adjusts his decorum for an Amazon courier and presses the button to swing open the airlock door. The figure in an Amazon courier spacesuit steps into the hallway. His helmet visor clears to reveal. Mr. Jeff Bezos, how delightful of you to deliver Slight's package yourself in person like, sir. Such a great honor for us mere mortals. Well, let me explain. In the past, our Geoffrey had a nasty turn or two when his workforce demanded the right to form a trade union. An anathema to Mr. Bezos, in every respect. So the richest bastard on the planet bought a cloning factory somewhere in the Far East. Clones are us, I believe it is called. Clones are us only manufactures one model of mass-produced clone, the Jeff Bezos, non-union 1.0. Chivers knows all this, and he delights in playing along, as does the rest of the Twittersphere. Well, thank you for delivering personally. I don't want to hold up your essential work. Let me see you out, sir. Chivers pushes Mr. Bezos back in the airlock with a cheerful wave goodbye. Worldwide News Incorporated On the hour On the nanosecond Guess who has followed on in Jeff Bezos' footsteps, with his stunningly stupendous way of dealing with, those unruly labor unions, achieving a foothold in his Amazon empire. Jeff has, 
by simply cloning himself many thousandfold, to become his new single-mindedly, fully incentivized workforce. Yes indeed Karen. Apparently Elon Musk having been forced to finally purchase the social media platform, Twitter, without knowing the full extent of fake Twitter accounts, is also joining the Clones Are Us Megalomaniacs Club. Well Ryan, how does cloning many millions of Elon Musketeers sweeten the bitter pill of an enforced purchase of Twitter? Isn't it obvious Karen? Elon Musk is going to close all existing Twitter accounts, to erase all the fake accounts, in a mass culling. And then all of Elon Musk's millions of cloned musketeers will join Twitter, by opening new accounts. Thus preserving the right of free speech, for all like-minded people worldwide. Well Ryan, if Elon Musk insists upon calling himself Chief Twit, the word twit, according to the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, means a silly annoying person, a fool. Don't you think it looks like that poor blue bird will have no feathers left at all, at this rate? The poor plucked birdie. Worldwide News Incorporated. On the hour. On the nanosecond. Slight's Amazon package is situated on the centre of her desk, all beckoning like a siren's call to be instantly opened. A synth can be just as tempted by consumer expectations for gratification to be instantly quenched as any human being would. She determinedly fixes a cup of Earl Grey tea first, ahead of sitting at her desk before the package with a Stanley knife in hand. She slits the Amazon envelope open and pulls out the cardboard box away from its packaging. It is a marital aid, a multi-dimensional projector complete with a couple's pair of skull caps for giving and receiving of all neutronic sensations during lovemaking. This item is banned in 69 solar systems in this quadrant of the galaxy alone that Snight knows, and she believes is worth all the money she has spent. She whispers to herself. That will certainly put a contented smile or two on Spuddy's face when I introduce my boy to multidimensional orgasms tonight. Slight's mind's eye is full of erotic behaviour to come in the variable gravity bed that she shares with her lover boy. When... Quick as a flash, Slight slides her newly purchased sex toy into the deepest drawer of her desk and then thumbs the intercom button. Shivers, what is it, man? There has been a forced entry through the airlock, Miss Slight. For Terry guards professing to be from the Temple of Archaeologists on planet Terabilius. They are giving off very aggressive vibes, which is unusual for Terry's, and they are refusing to surrender their weapon. Very peculiar for Terry's, I agree. 
I think I'll call for backup. Supervisor Gilmore is in the building for a meeting with our noble captain. I'll call for them. Do you know what these rude Terries want? I think they want to see out of the way humanoid. We want to see your alien archaeologist. We have a warrant for his arrest. Drawn up by the order of the archaeologist's temple of Terabillos. For professional misconduct concerning a historical Elohim settlement and technological remains on this moon. Oh crikey. Spuddy, they want to arrest Archie and take him back to planet Terabilius. I'm coming. I'm on my way, babe. The tunnel street door opens and in bounces Spuddy, followed by Super Gilmore and two of his justice facilitators. Also, not wanting to be left out of any happening adventure, the truly adventurous Lady Jane Storm brings up the rear with her five golf ball size 3D holographic drone cameras. All right. Before we all rush into the airlock reception room with all guns blazing, Captain Spud please holster your Dandere tri-beam ray gun. We all know it is only a Tor ray gun. But the Terry guards don't know that, do they? It could be misinterpreted as a provocation. Super Gilmore you have embarrassed and hurt my Spud E's feelings, he was only coming to my rescue. So his Dan Dare tri-beam ray gun is even less harmful than a pea shooter or a spud gun, he was first through the door to Chivers and my rescue. I did not mean to upset the mayor of Moontrose, but before I came to live and work here at Moontrose, I used to head up the Garda Shihana's extraterrestrial department at the San Maguire spaceport at Ballywilly West Cork, and it is diplomacy before defensive action all the way. The Terries are our friends. There must be some reason for their abruptness here. Superintendent Gilmore is correct. Sorry folks, I got carried away there for a moment. I'll holster my Dander tri-beam ray gun. It is worth mentioning that Spuddy's plastic toy Dander tri-beam cosmic ray gun was given to him on his sixth birthday by his parents. Their son was having trouble sleeping in his early years due to disturbing nightmares involving menacing extraterrestrials. The toy ray gun came with a belt and holster, but in his latter years as a middle-aged man with a rotund girth, the belt became somewhat redundant. So now Captain Spud holsters his Dander tri-beam ray gun in a shoulder holster hidden under his fleece-lined RAF flying jacket, where the bulge of the toy weapon doesn't show, just as the alien archaeologist enters via the tunnel street door. Let me guess, buddy, you drew your toy ray gun again at the first sign of armed conflict. That toy will get you killed one of these days. 
You should either carry a lethal weapons body, or be an unarmed brazen pacifist. I am an unarmed pacifist, Harky. I just have trouble with the brazen bit. It's been that way ever since I was a child. I am sure you'll get there given time, Spuddy. Now put your mayoral hat on and let us enter the welcome room to see what has got my fellow archaeologist Snickers in a twist, before Chivers brandishes his spud gun at the temple guards. Gentlemen welcome. I understand that you are offering me a chance to go and visit my old chums at the archaeologist temple on Terribilius. They are such good friends that they are willing to hold such an exquisite bash on my behalf. Is that the invitation card you are holding sir? The Alpha Terry answers him with a sneer in his modulated tone. No, sire, you are under some sort of an illusion if you think that the archaeologists are holding a party in your honor. I am holding a warrant for your arrest, not a party invitation. Ha! Ha! You will have your little joke, officer. You are hereby under arrest by order of the archaeologists' temple of Terabilios. For professional misconduct concerning a historical Elohim settlement and technological remains that you have not officially declared to the galactic authorities concerned. Namely the archaeologists temple of Terabilios. The penalty for which is death by vaporization. The atmosphere in the welcome room instantly changes to highly unwelcome. Spuddy is about to withdraw his Dandere ray gun from its holster, but Arky glares at him and shakes his head. I will go with them, Captain Spud. It will be best for all concerned. All I ask of you is to call my solicitor please, old chap. I will certainly do that for you, Arky. You will be back here in Moontrose sooner than you think. The nine-foot-tall, aged amphibian, Arky, and the rotund, smelly, carbon-based lifeform that is Spuddy embrace in a manly fashion, as Spuddy whispers into Arky's ear. We won't let you down, Arky, I promise. I have faith in you, Spuddy. Well, I'd better get into my space suit and be on my way homeward bound. That will not be necessary. We have conduit connection between our spacecraft and your airlock. So step this way into the airlock if you please. The three Beta Terry guards roughly manhandle the alien archaeologist through the airlock door just as Greta T bursts into the welcome room. Spuddy, I have just watched that whole arrest scene on Lady Jane Storm's TV show. Spuddy, how could you let Araki go with them like that without a show of resistance? Calm down, Greta T, please. This is the way Araki wants it to play out. 
He wanted me to behave like a brazen pacifist, like he himself did just now. Besides, we have a plan. We, we have, have a plan. plan. Kel surprise. Kel surprise. Yes, we do. I don't just lurch from one crisis to another, you know. When the alien archaeologist asked me to call his solicitor, that was the signal to put the plan into action. You see, Archie warned me that he had heard rumours from Terribarius that the old guard of the archaeologist's temple are determined to seize control of our teletransportation station from Moontro's ownership in any nefarious way they can. This arrest of our alien archaeologist must be their first move to achieve their possession of our teletransportation station, and that threatens the whole existence of our moon base. But before Captain Spud could say another word, the airlock doorbell chimed again, heretofore alerting of another visitor demanding entry. With a nod from Captain Spud, Chivers presses the release button and the airlock door swings open into the welcome room. Two figures in second-hand NASA spacesuits step into the welcome room. They slowly remove their helmets. Hello, lover boy. I am back from the dead. Spuddy looks stunned. It is as if he is seeing two ghosts in spacesuits. Tears, like morning dew, appear and slide slowly down his cheeks. You are pleased to see me, Spuddy, I see. Then, shaking off this misguided ghostly occurrence and wiping away his tears, Captain Spud smiles as he glides towards Dr. Suli Sazaki, alive in the flesh. Well, in a refurbished NASA spacesuit, actually. Yes, I am pleased to see you. I am so ecstatic to see you again, Suli. Honest, I am. Oh, Suli, I thought that slimy slug Trump had ordered you and Helga to be forcefully ejected out of an airlock. Spuddy tries to hug Suli in her spacesuit and kisses her on the lips and then whispers. When you wouldn't come over to my inherited side of the moon base, I missed you so much, babe. I truly did. But your new President Obama insisted that Helga and I had to stay on the American side of the moon base to make it an American acquisition. Obama even ordered me to marry you, so my country would gain your share of the moon base as well. The sacrifices one has to make for one's country. Well, we certainly dodged the bullet there then. I just couldn't do that to you, darling Spud E. I know that, girl. That was the sorrow of it all. I could never live under American jurisdiction. The star-spangled delusion was never my dream. But I was once, wasn't I, Spud E? Indeed you were my dream, once, Suli.
Captain Spud and Dr. Suli Sazaki are inside the grass and foliage carpeted domed forest filled with genetically altered earth trees to increase these super trees production of life-giving oxygen and the storage of the bad boy gas carbon dioxide. The atmosphere inside the dome is that of a verdant forest with high humidity. The sounds of bashful forest creatures can be heard intermittently but rarely seen. Woodland birds are perched on branches or soaring high above treetop level. The whole scene under the transparent dome is that of a thriving ecosystem. This is so fantastic. Spud, you have certainly reached such godlike heights since we last met to have brought all this into being. I am not godlike, Suli. This is all Gaia's doing. Gaia isn't just the driving force of life on Earth. She is the life force in all the universe. But how do you finance this wondrous dome? In fact, how do you finance all of your inherited share of the evil android overlord's moon base? My share of the inheritance is now called Moontrose. Moontrose is the first free state of the solar system, governed by the population, for the population of all beings existing here under the surface of Luna. It is financed by socialist-controlled capitalism, which has created gravity machines, all types of high-tech and food production, and what we cannot create ourselves is imported from other friendly planets in this quadrant of the galaxy, such as planet Telebilius. Be Jesus, but I am sounding like a feckin' politician. But anyway, Moontros is a highly fragile ecosystem. We live on a knife edge. If it fails, we all die. So, socialism in harness with capitalism, with a fair deal for all, seems to work for us so far. As I am sure it will continue to be so, and thanks for showing me this jewel in the crown of Moontrose. It is all so beautiful here, Spud E. I feel as if we are akin to Adam and even the Garden of Eden. Suli, I have to say something now before we progress any further. Oh, Spud E. I was only joshing with you. I know you have a new lover now. Slight is lovely and she is really good for you in so many ways. I am truly happy for the pair of you. Thank you, Suli. I mean it really. How did you two star-crossed lovers first meet? Slight used to be an assassin, a hit woman, along with her twin sister Snide. A nasty piece of work she is. Anyway, they took on a contract on behalf of the evil android overlord. Don't tell me. Let me guess. It was your name on the contract. Yeah. Spuddy nods his head, and Suli bursts out laughing. Well, obviously they didn't succeed. So what happened? It all took place during my wasteful years in Ballywheely Island. Ziggy and I were in the homunculus bar, indulging in a few drinks before moving on up the Kilbury Road to Wicked Whack Manor. 
the house where my sister Jita and the rest of the Wicked Whack Band were holding a party for all the local bigwigs. I had just had a message on my phone. It was an advertisement for a firm of hit women. Very chilling indeed. When who should walk into the bar but slight and snide, the two hit women in the advert disguised as American tourists. Even more chillingly, they came over to our table and sat down with us. I decided to brazen it out to see whatever would unfold. I went to the bar to order four pints of Guinness. Ziggy was drinking from within a carpet bag with a long straw poking out so as not to frighten the other patrons of the bar to see that my alien bubble could down more pints of Guinness than them. So, he was not much use at keeping an eye on the two assassins. So, I kept a close watch on the two hit women while I was being served. I could see Snide and Slight arguing about when was the best time to poison my drink. I think Slight was losing the urge to fulfil the contract but didn't want to go against her sister. You see, I think I had made an impression on the poor gal. What with my personal charm and magnetism like? Oh yes indeed, I remember your personal charm and magnetism. It got me in between the sheets with you a time or two. Yeah, sorry. Anyway, after a few drinks, I had convinced the two hit women that the party at Wicked Whack Manor was the in-place to be. So we left the homunculus for the satellite supermarket around the corner. Outside the bar, I took Ziggy out of his incognito carpet bag. That did not faze the girls at all. They must have done their homework then. Anyway, inside the satellite supermarket, Ziggy chose a shopping trolley with a mind of its own. Aren't they all? I've had many a trolley with an insistent bent wheel that has led me down the wrong aisle a time or two. No, satellite supermarket trolleys are four-seater hover trolleys that talk to you. Anyway, we get to the robotic auto dispenser for a selection of scotch eggs when it pulls out a missile launcher, a bazooka, and points it at a hover trolley. Well, instantly, Slight and Snide both shoot several rounds from the hip with automatic pistols and hit the mechanical dispenser in the head. They had fired in self-defense, but they were also protecting their target, me. Anyway, the auto dispenser falls backwards and shoots out the glass ceiling, causing a heavy shower of glass shards to rain down. We left the building speedily on the satellite supermarket hover trolley for the party along Kilbarry Road. Without any scotch eggs, unfortunately. Slight took this near-death incident as a bad omen, and I think she had given up any idea of killing me by then. I could tell Snide had not given up their contract, though. But the next attack almost convinced Snide to give up the contract. We were travelling along the Kilbarry Road in the dark countryside on the hover trolley with no headlights when the bright headlamp beams of a John Deere tractor crested over the dark hill ahead at high speed. 
As the rogue tractor travelled down the incline in the Kilbarry Road, we could see between the headlamp beams that the front loader was equipped with a bale spike set at head height. This alarmed Snide and Slight almost as much as it did me and Ziggy. The two hit winds started firing at the windscreen of the tractor cab, but that didn't stop the John Deere roaring on towards the hover trolley. I shouted at them to go for the front tyres. They fired a couple of clips into the front tyres with gusto, again shooting to defend their target as well as to save their own skins. The front tyres of the rogue John Deere tractor exploded almost simultaneously, shredding rubber on the harsh surface of the Kilbury Road down to the rims of the wheel. With the momentum of a medieval jousting knight's lance, the bailing spike dropped height and buried itself deep in a pothole on the road. With the front end of the tractor anchored, the back end reared and toppled over and exploded in orange and red flames. The blast from the exploding tractor caught and lifted the hover trolley far higher than any supermarket top shelf. It travelled over a row of trees and landed clumsily by the river bank. I was knocked unconscious, but later I heard that the two hit women revived first. Ziggy was hovering high over the crash scene, transmitting an SOS for our space cruiser Spuddy One to attend the scene. Snide wanted to finish me off there and then, but Slight was more than hesitant about my demise. Apparently, in the end, Ziggy did his party piece Clint Eastwood impersonation. His what? Our Ziggy has become an ardent Clint Eastwood fan, and in order to forestall Snide from filling my unconscious body with bullets, Ziggy faced up to Snide by morphing a hand holding a Magnum .44 and indulging himself with a rendition of the famous Are You Feeling Lucky Punk scene, which ended with Ziggy blowing the side of Snide's face off which frazzled her brain so much that she ran off screaming down the Kilberry Road, never to be seen since. Leaving her sister to pledge her allegiance to be your minder for all eternity. How very romantic, Spuddy. How very rom-com-like. I like to think so, Suli. Spuddy, if you have finished escorting your old flame around paradise, we could do with your presence here. Hey... You have been listening in, haven't you, beloved? Well, I am your appointed minder, yeah? I have to know that you are safe at all times, honey, don't I? She is a very protective bodyguard indeed. Slight has got you there, Spud E. Hush, Sudi. Whereabouts are you, Slight? We are on the surface, walking over to Spud E1. Ziggy has just brought her back from the dry dock on planet Mechazylon. She looks fantastic, Spud E. Ziggy and the alien archaeologist's new specifications they ordered are imaginatively magical. That is why we must get the alien archaeologist back. He is a genius of a toad. He has worked so hard for all of us. I am on my way. Can I come too? Please, Spud E. A trip in space would blow the cobwebs from my mind.
after the last few years of incarceration with the Trump monster. Only if you promise you will behave yourself. Oh, believe me, I'll be as corking as it gets. That is what I'm worried about. So, as the signal of the fifth emergency satellite broadcast from the future fades into incorporeality, leaving Captain Spud wondering what his old flame, Dr. Suli Zazaki, is up to. And will the alien archaeologist return from the clutches of the ancient Elohim archaeologists of Terrabilius? And will Slight's multi-dimensional projector be the marital aid that eclipses the Big Bang as the beginning of all existence. I do not know the answers yet, as they are all satellite broadcasts from the future. But I do want to thank my faithful listeners on this poor, battered planet and those sentient beings in the rest of the universe who tune in to Twitterfear.ie. So, Trahavit. Weird audio. Productions. Helping, Helping to keep the world. Stay on the